Happy Mother's Day. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Chuck, and I have the privilege of being a pastor here. Let me apologize uh, for how hard it was to get in the building today. Uh, <laughs> last hour, uh, your pastor looked down at my watch, and it was quarter till. And I thought, I got 15 minutes. I'm crushing it up here. This is awesome. So I went on a little bit further, and Trip was back there with a flashlight shining it. And I finally said, Trip, what are you trying to tell me? He said, time. And then I realized, first service, not second service. I don't have till top of the hour. I'm 25 minutes late. <laughs> I've had a couple of weeks I'd like to forget. And you know what? The brain just was not on it today. So I promise you, you won't be here nearly that late. <laughs> Could I get one amen from that? I know, if I'd have said Jesus love you, it'd been, yeah, whatever. But getting out on time, that's a good thing. Yeah, I can't believe I did that. I mean, really, the, the guys are in the back going. And I'm like, what? Oh, and then I was so glad I didn't say something inappropriate when I realized it. That was, because that would have been a real YouTube moment right then. Happy Mother's Day. Way to go, mom, grandma, great grandma. Yeah, way to go. You did it. We're all here because of you. Yeah. Mother's Day, though, is filled with this wide array of emotions and expectations, though, isn't it? I mean, seriously, for some people, it's just not a cool day. For other people, the expectation is off the chart. But for all you moms out there, we love you. You make our boo-boos better. You cry with us. And we're just so grateful for you. For all of you grandmothers, for all you great-grandmothers, thank you. You still love those grandkids even when they spend all their parents' money on the seven-year college plan. I went to my fifth out of six daughters' college graduation yesterday. Would you join me in praying that somehow, a year from now, we'll get the sixth one out? But for all of you that lost a mom this year, please know we grieve with you today. We know it's a hard day. Death through human eyes is just a horrible thing. But you know, like I preached at my mom's funeral, how could I not be happy for my mom today? She's not a part of this mess, man. She is in glory, and how could I not be happy for her? For all of you that wish you were already moms this year, we want to pray for you. And we really do recognize today is a tough day for you. Please know you're loved. And our prayer is that someday and someday soon, that through adoption or birth, you're going to be the greatest mommy of all time. We hurt with you, and we love you. For those of you that lost a precious child through miscarriage this year, we grieve with you in a deep way, knowing that we could never really truly understand your hurt. But we know today is a tough day. For some of you that lost a child this year through their wandering away from the Lord, the church, and your family, I want to pray that uh, a year from now, they'll be back with you and with him. For those of you that lost a child way before they should have this year, I want you to know that our heart breaks with you. That we, uh, we eagerly await the opportunity to cry with you, to pray with you, and to love you, and we we want you to know that today we understand. Moms, grandmas, moms-to-be, moms in mourning, welcome today. Let's pray.
Lord, we're grateful for you and we thank you that uh, today we claim that uh, you will step into every, of these, every one of these circumstances and you would provide the love and the grace and the mercy that is necessary to meet every need, to heal every expectation that's broken, and to mend every broken heart. Lord, we're grateful for these moms and how you've uniquely wired them to love us so differently and so wonderfully. Bless them richly today in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Today's confession, like Bobby said, is, is unique, and that is for the family. It's not designed to be something that's uh, really overwhelming. It's really a, a confession that I would say I, I didn't truly understand the fragility and the, uh, the challenge of today's modern family until it all came and knocked on my door. Until divorce came to our family, it was easy to scream, God hates divorce. And indeed, God does indeed hate divorce, but God has never once hated people in a divorce, and God has never hated anyone still standing after a divorce. Until death came to our family, I didn't fully understand what it was to be a single parent. And I'm of the opinion that if you're here and you're a single parent or you're watching online and you're a single parent, you're going to go to the front of the line in heaven. Until having to blend families following death and divorce, I didn't have an appreciation for the tedious and fragile complexities inside of a blended family, but they are unique. Until I had middle school and high school kids, I thought I could say with an insane and foolish certainty that my kid will never do that. <laughs> my kids indeed did that, and they're still doing that. Until I had daughters walk down the aisle and I officiated their weddings, I had no appreciation for the heartache of giving your little girl or boy's heart away to someone else. Until I had grandkids, I wasn't sure how someone could love those tiny little humans more than I love my grandsons and my granddaughters. So knowing that you're all headed out to go do mom, I'm going to do everything I can to get you out of here in just a few minutes. So I want to give you what I believe would be four truths that might really give you a great head start on how you celebrate family through the eyes of the Lord Jesus. And I want to start with the first one. The best way to have a great family is to follow a leader. Every family needs a leader. As a matter of fact, every family needs a spiritual leader. If you're married, guys, you've been given the role of the spiritual leader. And if you abdicate that role, someone has to fill it. Ladies, if your husband isn't filling the role of spiritual leader in your home, you must fill it. Every family needs a spiritual leader. You say, now, guys, uh, Chuck, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I was never equipped for how to be a spiritual leader in my home, and I don't know what the first step would be. Here's the first step. Tonight, with your spouse, reach over, hold her hand, do this before you start snoring, reach over and say, we're going to pray together out loud. And I just lost a third of you. All right, but come back. I'm, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this. I know it's Mother's Day, but guys, I'm going to get you to in, just engage with me for a minute. I want you to say what I say. God. Okay, about a third of you did. Let's try that again. God. Thank you for today. Today. <laughs> Ladies, I see what you're dealing with now. Today. I know you love me. 
Give us rest. Give us wisdom tomorrow. Honey, take over. That's a great start. But I'm telling you, when you pray out loud together, you start becoming the spiritual leader of your home. And you say, Chuck, I don't know how to pray. Well, do what I just did. If you forget, just open it up on the app, scroll it back, go to Facebook, roll it back, say, God, just start all over again, right? But start. Every family needs a spiritual leader. Now, I want you to make sure you get this. Spiritual leadership is not a title from which you get to be in charge. Spiritual leadership is a role from which you are to serve. The single greatest way to lead your family spiritually, whether you're a single parent, married, whatever the case may be, is one, two, three. Number one, love God and chase after God with a desire to serve, sacrifice, and honor your spouse. Jesus showed us what this is like. He is the groom. He called the church his bride. He came to serve, to sacrifice, and to honor his bride. Now, we haven't always been faithful to him, but he is always and will always be faithful to us. This is how we're to do this. If you want to lead your home well, love God and chase after God with a desire to serve, sacrifice, and honor your spouse. Number two, choose to value your spouse with patience and graciousness. And value is always critical to feeling loved. The same emotion gets triggered in your life when you feel valued is when you feel loved. When you feel loved, you are valued. When you are valued, you are loved. And three, agree to honor them with your words, with your attitudes, and your actions. You see, Jesus makes a big deal about this role. While the Bible clearly affirms the equality of men and women, I want to say it again, while the Bible firmly affirms the equality of men and women as testified by Paul's writing to the Galatians in chapter 3, where he says in verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The scriptures also tell us plainly that God has assigned the responsibility of spiritual leadership in the home to husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands, as the scriptures say in Colossians 3 as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I want you to notice the order in how this works, but you've got to do the latter before the former will take place. Guys, if you want your wife to submit spiritually to your authority, your job is to serve them and love them. You are not the boss of them. It is not leadership of where you eat, how the furniture sits, or how it gets cooked. It is spiritual leadership, which is always a matter of the heart. Your job is to unconditionally love and serve, and when you do, she will follow. Now, folks often say, husbands often wonder, well, what am I supposed to do, act like a preacher? Well, if you ask my wife, she would say, don't start there. <laughs> but some wives say, why is he supposed to be the only spiritual leader? How come we can't both do it? Well, in the end, it all comes down to a very simple fundamental truth. Families need spiritual leaders. The buck has to stop somewhere because if the household is to function well as God designed it, it needs spiritual leadership. I want to remind you again, though, it's important to remember there is a difference in roles, but that does not mean unequal. God has never and will never consider a wife or a female, inferior, inadequate, less important, or less responsible than a male or husband. Besides, only a foolish man would not talk, take the wisdom 
and consideration and counsel of his wife, knowing the Lord gave them to him as his best resource on this planet. Number two, the best way to be the best spouse is to be the best you. Counseling 101, if you want to be the best parent and you want to be the best spouse, you have to be the best possible you spiritually. You were made in the image of the divine. You are an image bearer of the most high God. You are God's favorite creation. Do not settle for being less than the best you because the best you is who you fell in love with first. It's who God created you to be and who your spouse fell in love with. First John chapter 2 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. We are called to live, love, and lead more like him. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want you to notice the best spouse is a healthy spouse, healthy physically, emotionally, presently, and spiritually. Because number three, the best way to be a, a great parent is to be a fully present parent. Now, you say, well, Chuck, listen to me. Between the two of us, we're both having to work all the time. We're trying to get the bills paid. We got all this debt. We got to take care of this. Not to mention, I want to leave something better for my kid than what I was left. Well, let me just stop and say, the best thing you can leave your kid is a fully present mama and daddy. A fully, a fully present parent is truly a gift. Friend, listen, I'm in no way saying I got this right. But there's no manuals for your kid. Every one of your kids are weird in their own way, aren't they? And they're just, yeah, I know, I get it. Mine are in that category too. But we have the roles as parents to greatly influence what they will become and how they will engage with culture, with relationships, with parents, with siblings, and with peers. You, parent, are a living open letter to your children. Man, you are an open letter to your wife. Wife, you are an open letter to your husband, written in handwriting that is yours and leaving an indelible mark on the souls of your family. You say, well, Chuck, I'm not an open letter. Yeah, you are. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, beginning in verse 3, he says, the only letter of recommendation we need is you are yourselves. Your lives are a letter written on, in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you clearly you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. And friend, listen to me. You are to speak God talk with your kids from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. One of the questions I get asked from young parents all the time is, Pastor, could you recommend a great devotional book for me and my kids? Absolutely. Are you ready to write this down? From the, set, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, discover things that you can openly talk on the things of God with, with your children. Listen to what the book of Deuteronomy says in chapter 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. You say, well, what am I to, what am I to do that with? Well, I want to give you a couple of real simple things. A fully present parent is committed to just a few things. Are you ready? Number one, they're always committed to giving their kids the opportunity to know God at work in you, the real you. Always let your kids see God at work inside of you. If you want your kid to grow up and pray, let your kids see you pray. If you want your kid to grow up and read their Bible, let them see you read your Bible. If you want your kid to grow up and be generous, let them see you be generous. You want it? I could just go on and on. Are you with me? Nod your head if you're with me. All right. So listen, a fully present parent is committed to always giving your kids the opportunity to know you. A fully present parent is committed to always discovering ways to speak God talk and God discoveries with your kids. When, the, when our grandsons were with us from the Netherlands a few weeks ago, I, I looked out the back porch. Jenny was on the back porch. She had William, our six-year-old, and she has these lemon trees on the back porch. And she went to one of them, and she showed William. She said, you see that little bud? Let me see your fingers. She put his little fingers up on the bud, and, and he was kind of oohing and on with that. And she went over on the other side, and she said, you see that little flower? She showed him how to take the flower and kind of rub it in his fingers and smell his fingers. And then she said, look over here. This, see that little green? looks like a shape of a lemon about that big. She said, in a few months, that's going to be a yellow lemon. We're going to pull that off the tree, and we're going to wash it, and we're going to cut it, and we're going to put it in our water and our tea. And from the rest of the week, William wanted lemon on everything. But then she went on and said, you know, the way God made these, William, is it, he had a seed, and the seed got in that dirt, and that dirt grew up to be kind of a bush, and then that bush kind of started becoming a tree, and then there was a bud, and then there was a flower, and then there was a piece of fruit, and then we took it, and God did all that for, for us. And then she said, can you think of anything that God didn't make, William? And he thought real hard, and he said, the tires on Pop's truck. <laughs> and she started telling him about how rubber was made. If you're with me, say, Yeah. My, my pop, I'd sit on a, on a boat out in the river with my pop's a kid fishing, and he'd see the Florida sunshine come around those clouds, and you'd see it streak, and you'd say, boy, that's the, that right there, that's the, that's the glory of the Lord. You know what? My kids know that's the glory of the Lord today. If you want the best possible thing to teach your kids, show them the things of God from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. And finally, I want to ask you this. A, a fully present parent is committed to decluttering their calendar, their devices, their commitments, and their conversations. Listen, stop trying to multitask your children, all right? They know it, and they will grow up and multitask their relationships if that's what you do. Dad, get your phone in another room. Mom, get your phone in another room. Get on the floor, play with that kid. When I got done with that graduation yesterday, you know what I thought to myself? All those people that told me one of these days is going to just like that, and you're going to be crying and boohooing, and that kid's going to be out of your house. And I thought, That's, that just, it's going to be forever. I, I'm going to be 100 and still buy diapers. But you know what? I looked back yesterday, and they were right. It was a blink of an eye, and it was over. I'm so grateful. I got, I got six daughters that are going to be in heaven someday. They're all saved. I got one or two of them chasing after God, and I'm praying the rest of them will. The best way to raise great kids, friend, is to know that less is often more. Some of the greatest gifts that you'll give your spouse, your family, and especially your children, you couldn't buy and it wouldn't buy what they offer. Things like teaching your children collaboration. 
We've been taught competition, and I'm so glad we are. I like kids that'll go after it and want to win. But I'll never forget the first time I went to a swim meet and I was in charge of the ribbons. You know, when you die without Jesus, you have to go to a kid's swim meet. That's your first step on the way to Hades. You got to go to a swim meet in the middle of August that's been delayed by weather till about 11 p.m. And I realized in the middle of that that I'm stamping stickers that are going on the back of a ribbon. And I finally looked up and said, Jenny, if you jump in the pool, do you get a ribbon? Yes, that's wrong. And you say, but I want my precious one to get a ribbon. Well, if they can't swim, don't take them to a swim meet. I mean, your kid's good at something, but if they can't win, anyway. But my whole point is, <laughs> collaborate. Teach your kid the art and the beauty of teamwork, relationships, diversity, and that conflict doesn't have to be a trip through Ulcer Gulch. Ecclesiastes says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer unless you have twins. And three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Collaboration is something that's wonderful to teach our kids, but so is courage. Courage with conviction, with wisdom, with discernment, and yes, with humility. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says, so be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and do not panic before them for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will ne neither fail you or abandon you. And finally, I want to ask you, would you commit to your children to teach them character? Character in your words, in your actions, in your attitude. When your kid sees a white lie in you, they'll start telling white lies. When your kid knows that you're faking, they're going to be a faker. When your kid knows that you're a player, they're going to become a player. Listen to this one thought in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us de develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how clearly, how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. My greatest confession regarding the family is that I miss so many opportunities to make Jesus the center of our family in every possible way. My joy that my kids are saved. I don't know that I missed a single ball game, but I missed many an opportunity to make God the center of what we were about and what we were dealing with and not sitting down, including our kids, and trying to shield them from everything and not letting them be a part of the prayer and the process of what it is to fail and watch God lead you into success. My friend, I, I pray that the Lord would bless your marriage, your family, your children. For many of you, your sanity and desire to lead and love more like Jesus and our Lord. 
And I would ask you, men, would you commit to start somewhere today just to pray with your family and start somewhere to become the spiritual leader in your home? If you're here and you're a single dad, there is no option for you. If, if you're here and you're a single mom, we understand there is no option for you. And by the way, there is equally no condemnation for you because we didn't get a manual on this other than the Word of God. And the Word of God is where you start becoming the spiritual leader because it is the roadmap for how we lead, love, and live more like Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you. I pray you would give these folks an abundance of wisdom. And Lord, you would bless them richly. Lord, I believe there are folks in this room that would say, I, I want to start becoming the spiritual leader. And I want to commit before the Lord that I'm going to start with something today to become the spiritual leader of my home. And if that's the desire of your heart, just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Yeah, 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 man, yeah. Father, we love you and praise you that we have been fearfully and wonderfully created and you have made us to parent well because you have given us that picture. You've made us to leave and to cleave and to become one. But Lord, when we do that, God, would you give us the ability to honor and love and serve and value this gift of a spouse you've given us. God, I know there are folks right now in the middle of an ugly divorce. God, would you pour your mercy and grace on them? God, I know there are folks who have just come through a difficult time in their relationships and their, their marriage. And God, would you pour out an abundance of mercy and grace on them? God, there are folks that are praying earnestly for their children. God, would you, would you overwhelm them with your goodness? Would you bring that child home? God, there are people here with a broken heart because you've, for whatever reason, allowed their child to go on home to be in heaven. God, there are folks that are almost afraid to try again because of the loss they've already experienced. Lord, hold those folks dear. And Lord, there are people in this room that I know personally that are grieving because they've lost their mama this year. God, today, reach down and hold them with the certainty that a saved mama's in heaven. So, Lord, today we bless you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. I want to ask the Baileys, come on out here real quick as we wrap up today. Uh, man, these folks, uh, you've prayed with them. Many of you have supported them financially and with your prayers and so many other ways. They, they head out uh, Wednesday. Tuesday. They head out Wednesday, Tuesday. Uh, uh, and uh, headed to Kenya permanently. And uh, man, that's courage. That really is. But our prayer for you is uh, that the Lord, like we say every week, will go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Uh, I know y'all, you'll allow him to go within you and uh, he'll do what only he can do in your life. And I know there'll be days, plenty of them, like there already have been since your surrender, where you need to hop on his back and let him carry you a while. But uh, we want to commission you as a church, say you go in our prayers. 
uh, in our love, our full support. And we want to let you know we love you dearly. You've set a very cool model for what it's like for folks in Sugar Hill Church to pick up and let the Lord lead you to a whole new place. And uh, we're honored to be a part of that with you. And so church, what we're doing here is we're, we're going to pray for the Baileys. And in doing so, we're commissioning them to hit the mission field as folks from our church uh, to go live and pray and serve and care for folks. When I've heard all the different missions that they'll be a part of, it's just amazing. And I, I'm, I'm so proud that uh, you leave our church and so proud that someday you'll come back with unbelievable stories. We plan to be able to Skype you in a lot to be able to talk about what's going on and pray with you. But today I want us to stop. And if you would, would you stand with me? And uh, if you don't mind and if you're okay with that, just kind of let your hand go out as an opportunity as if you were laying hands on these folks right now. Now let's pray over them. Lord, I pray for these, my friends. And God, I ask you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, that you would go before them. And in the middle of all the things like uh, learning new languages and cultures, leaving all the conveniences of what it is to be here in America, Lord, uh, being thousands of miles away from a support system, but yet being certain that you called them and trusting the spirit to go within them, God, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your goodness and your love. God, in Glenn's life, let him, uh, let him be a husband and a daddy on mission for you, knowing that his first mission is his wife and his son. Lord, for Jackson, God, protect him and guard him and let this be something that would start a world full and a life full of ministry and mission to follow you and the courage to follow in his steps, footprints, to love you. Lord, for Lisa, God, I pray she wouldn't cry herself out and she would uh, she'd be blessed and cared for and she would find her place in the midst of all this to do amazing work and you would give all three of them the certainty that you have uh, met their need and you have used them in your kingdom's work every single day and they would be contented in that as they lay their head on the pillow every single night. Bless my friends. Let us be a covenant relationship between church and missionary to love them, serve them, pray for them, and support them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. God bless y'all. We love you. So today, moms, happy Mother's Day. And church, I love y'all. Go have a great day and go in peace.